Hey guys, it's Alexia James, and this is Diary of a 20-something, a podcast that is going to dive into the experiences of being in your 20s and trying to figure it out. The wins, the failures, the heartaches, and the struggles with everything in between. everybody welcome back to diary of a 20 something podcast it's been a little bit but i'm so happy to be bringing you this episode it's really special um it's featuring somebody who i think is extremely amazing her name is evelyn woodson and she is the founder and creator of affinity magazine evelyn talk to the people hello well, I'm Evelyn and I'm 21. I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, but originally I'm from Kenya. I came to America when I was four years old. Started my wow. own, I started my own magazine at 16. I had no idea how to do it. And I just Googled a whole bunch of things and I just started. And here we are now, like, I think five or six years later, and I'm still running my magazine. I'm 21 now. And I'll be turning 22 next month. Wow. How do you think your experience of coming from Kenya to the U.S. like shaped your perspective? Well, I came to America when I was four, but you know, mm. the thing about my culture is like both of my parents are Kenyan, so for me, mm. I've been able to live in two different worlds where it's really shaped my perspective. Like when I go to Kenya, it, I feel more down to earth, and I just like I just feel like. I feel more appreciative in a way because I go there and I stay in my village and life is just slow and people are just living and people aren't really stressed or worried. But like in America, people, people are always going somewhere. People are always stressed. They're worried about life. So trying to get somewhere. Yeah. It's really, it's like, I'm the best of both worlds. I'm able to like, I'm always ambitious and stuff. But I'm able to I'm able to still know when to stop and like relax so I don't like explode because I have to do a lot of things on a daily basis. I can't imagine. So let's get into Affinity Magazine, your baby. <laughs> so, so I want you to just explain what Affinity is just so people can know in case they don't, because of course my audience is from the Caribbean. Because as you can tell, I'm from Trinidad and Tobago by my accent. So I definitely get that whole perspective of being from one place and then having to adapt and see things from a different cultural perspective. So really just about affinity and how it was formed, why you did it. And yeah. So for me, obviously, I'm a black female living in a world where much of the media that we do consume is just white and Eurocentric. So yeah, I don't see a lot of like people who look like back then, I did not see a lot of people who look like me in magazines and stuff like that, especially in teen magazines. Like a lot of teen magazines, they they were focused on one type of person, which was like the white girl, the popular white girl in high school and had all the friends and stuff like that. So for me, I was like, okay, well, this isn't like a good representation because there's other people out here that aren't represented in in magazines. We're about like the shy people, the people who who aren't that aren't that social and we're we're what about the black girls and like black culture so for me um when I started affinity I said okay well I want to start a magazine that's written by teens 14s and for people from all over the world 
So for me, um, starting it was probably the biggest hurdle because at the time I was 16 and I went to a school that was predominantly white. I was one of the few black people there. So I didn't get much support. Like people like they supported because they just wanted to be in it because I mean, it's something to do, but they didn't understand like what it was or what I was trying to do. But like my main focus on it was like um, having an outlet for everybody to be able to talk about their lives and I remember the first like couple issues like I had a friend talk about being adopted um from China during the gen like the period in China where a lot of people didn't want baby girls so people were leaving them on the streets and and killing them and stuff so she talked about that and then I had a friend talk about him being Afro-Latino and being gay so it's just like different things I wanted to talk about because at the time social justice wasn't really popular this was around 2013 2000 no two yeah 2013 2014 so it was kind of like it wasn't like it didn't blow up yet. Affinity did not like explode until I was 18 and it was like 2015. Yeah. So why did you think it exploded then or what happened that made it really go viral? I think because it was relatable. It's just, I guess my tweeting style, like I love making jokes of like everything. Like I'm a very humorous person. I don't take much seriously. So like when I would tweet from the fame page, I would just like joke about different things and make like social justice and politics funny. So a lot of the teenagers kind of like, I guess they gravitate towards that because it came a sense, like became a community where teenagers could like voice their opinions about anything they wanted and not have like adults like making them feel bad about what they say or what they think. I guess they felt valid. Got you. So do you think that controlling a narrative is really important? Because I know that there were some instances where, as you said, there wasn't a space for this. And I really believe that we need to create these spaces to share our stories because there's always different media outlets so even for the Caribbean like they don't know that their creators out here doing insane and incredible things that are trying to get a brand out there and doing all these different things so I really love what Affinity is doing and how do you combat in terms of the negativity that may come the backlash that may come from different tweets that some people may not perceive as funny um I, it's all trial and error for me mm-hmm. like to be completely honest, like being in a space like this where I do own my own media company and I'm a black woman, you don't really see too many people doing that. The only other black woman I know that owns like a media company outside of like Oprah and stuff is um um the owner of Blavity, which her name Morgan. is Morgan. Yeah. So that's like the only other person that I know. And she's much older and she's had like experience in like the tech world and stuff like that. But for me, like I started at 16, like I'm still really young. So I'm still maturing like every day. So for me, like I had to make the mistakes like of tweets and all that other stuff to learn from the mistakes. And it's a really good lesson. And for me, like, of course, like there's things that I find funny, but other people don't. And I guess for me, it takes me making the mistake of like tweeting those things for me to like learn, okay, this isn't funny, like humor is subjective and you shouldn't like say stuff like that. And it sucks because like we had like instance where we tweeted about like the Olsen twins and like the Matt Gala and like Nicki Minaj or something. And we were just like talking about how old people, like white people age way faster than black people. And that blew up. Like it went viral. People were pissed. 
and <laughs> and like just like I tweet like oh why do white people age like bananas like and people were pissed like oh my god I got so many messages I literally had to log off because people were pissed and like if people were literally writing articles about this I was just like okay <laughs> like wow <laughs> it's like the majority of people who found it funny was black people but the a lot of white people were just like this is this is insensitive and stuff like that but I mean it's like sometimes we have to laugh at ourselves but I can understand like where they were coming from but like it's like my humor of course like I said I'm black so my humor a lot of times is like gravitates towards black people but I have to make my humor palatable for like a multicultural audience so like instances like that is where I've learned like what works and what doesn't work and stuff like that. Got you. I think it's really important that you highlighted that difference between yourself and Morgan because a lot of the times we think that we're supposed to know everything and of course we have the internet so you know we can just google everything but that's really not the case because there's a lot of things that we learn and it only comes from experience and nothing that you can learn in a classroom or in a text or in a blog. So I, I think that's really important to the overall story. Um, so tell us a little bit about, a little bit more, sorry, about Affinity and your whole passion behind it and why you started. Um, my whole passion behind it is just like creating a platform for all people, no matter where you're from and what your race is to like kind of just speak their minds and you know for me for a long time like when I first started like to be completely honest when I first started Fanny I used to get like what 300 views a month and for me a lot of times people get deterred when they start yeah. things because we live in a society just like it's a fast food society people want it now they don't want to wait and so, and a lot of times social media deserts our point of view. So people see on social media, people blowing up, people who are like 22 and own their own house and have their own car. And they just think like, okay, well, success is instant. I'm supposed to, if I do this right now, then I'm just going to be successful right now. But you have to put the work in. So for me, like, although I wasn't getting the views that I liked, I put the work in and I set myself up to the point where if it did become popular, I was in a position where I would be able to handle it. Like, just like, and put in mind, if I was 16 and Affinity blew up that same year, I don't think I'll be able to handle it. I don't know what I would do. I wasn't mature enough to be able to like handle that type of, um, that type of popularity and being 16, I wasn't able to be a leader. So for me, like a lot of my passion has been in creating a platform for other people even back then when I didn't get the recognition and people didn't know what affinity was I still worked at it every single day and every single month to set myself up and I guess at the end of the day I guess the universe sees the work that you put in and it rewards you definitely So, like I always tell people like you know you shouldn't be deterred if you're not getting the results that you want right now because truth be told if you if you got the success right now you probably wouldn't be able to handle it. So like ultimately God throws at you what you can handle and God blesses you when it's the right time. And like, and like Oprah, she once said like, you can have it all, but not at one time. So like, we just go through life at different times. We, we, we go through successes at different times in life and not at the same time. So like, I always tell my writers, like Affinity is more than just a platform where people can like get their articles written out. It's a community too, because I spend a lot of times like working one-on-one 
with my writers. And there's some writers that I've known since they were freshmen and now they're in college. Like they were freshmen in high school and now they're in college and I still talk to them all the time. So for me, a lot of the times I'm also a mentor. I help them with college applications. I help them with recommendations. Like I, for example, I had one writer who I helped write her recommendation and then she got into the schools that she wanted and she didn't know which one she should pick. She was conflicted about two colleges and she asked me what she should do about it. And I just told her the truth and I just, I helped guide her and tell her, you know, this is, it's all what you want to do, but you have to think about like these things like finances, like reputation and just like where you feel the best. And ultimately it helped her pick like what college she wanted to go to. So I guess the outside looking in, like people think of things just like a magazine and stuff, but it's also like a really big community where the teenagers, they're getting work experience um, for their next job or they're getting experience for colleges. And it's, and it's helped a lot of people get like scholarships for like colleges and stuff. That's amazing. So I have a question because you said you mentored different rights and stuff, but what keeps you sane? Like who mentors you and who guides you along? Um, I guess what keeps me sane, if I'm being completely honest, I just watch Netflix all day. Like <laughs> I've never really had like a mentor. I because there's not a lot of women who are doing what I'm doing. And it's like I'm in a special situation where like people wouldn't understand, like even my friends, they don't understand. Like when I'm always like talking about different things with my magazine, like just being stressed, like having to oversee like three over 300 people, they don't understand that type of stress. They don't understand. I'm a full-time student, student as well. I'll be gra- I'm actually graduating this year. So I have to like manage school and doing affinity and like just having like a social life. So a lot of the times, like for me, the way that I don't like completely blow my head off is I either like travel. I like to take a vacation and just like just like get away or I like to like just binge watch shows and just like be in another world. (laughs) So slay on this time. So one thing I want to get into as well is because you shared that, you know, you like to travel and those types of things, but we always see people like, okay, do a side hustle, be creative, start this and start that. But the conversation then comes now to how do you make it profitable? And I feel like that's always something that's always a hush-hush situation, especially in the Caribbean. So it's something that I really want to foster. So how did you make the switch in terms of affinity going from just a magazine with 300 views to making it an actual profitable entity? Well, at first, the first couple of years, it was really hard because um, with magazines, it's really hard to make it profitable these days because ad rates are falling. You make a lot of the money for ads, a lot of money for magazines for ads. I remember being really, really young before I started my magazine and I was on 17 Magazine's website and they had their press kit. And I'm not sure if you know what a press kit is, but a press kit is just about like how many views you get, how what's your audience, what's your demographic, what type of topics do you touch on? And this is for advertisers or sponsors. So I went on 17 and I saw like their ad rates and like for a half a page, it was like $100,000. I was like, what the hell? This is crazy. So about 17, they had like 12 million subscribers. So they can demand that type of money, but it's really harder for smaller publications and independent publications to like, to like get that type of money. 
So for me, being yeah. young, I had known, like, I came, when I started my magazine, I did not know a thing. All I knew was, like, Google. Like, I just Googled every question I ever had, and I still do. So, like, for me, I didn't really know, like, how can I transition this? So when I first did, I started doing merchandise. So for me, I did that, like, when I was a freshman in college, I started selling Affinity merchandise. But that became really hectic for me because I had to run the magazine on top of that, like, um, do orders and ship out and stuff like that. So I didn't, I did, so I decided to just like discontinue that. So, but now, um, what for what's profitable is since we have like a big audience and people know us, a lot of companies reach out for partnerships and stuff like that. So that's like a big like way that's making it profitable. Um, what I want to go to into the future is consulting. I want to also have Affinity as like a consulting entity where where companies can reach out and they can get like feedback from like our teen writers about the feedback on their company, their marketing and stuff like that. Got you. What keeps you motivated? Cause you're in school, you're balancing a magazine. Like what keeps you going every day? Um, what keeps me going is that I know I'm making a difference. Like my work isn't in vain. I know at the end of the day, when when it comes to it, I know the legacy that I leave will be really good. Like, it's how, like, managing a magazine and going to school. Because I do get really stressed and I do explode sometimes. Like, right now, like, just being completely honest, like, I'm in my l- last semester of college. And it's just, like, the classes seem like they just got harder for some reason. And I have to balance going to school, like, like almost every day and then I come back and then there's like people on affinity like the writer's like oh I can't log in oh my article hasn't been published and and just like people like needing help on so many different things so for me that's like a lot a lot of like it's really stressful but I know that the work that I'm doing is really important and I know that the legacy that I leave behind will inspire maybe another black girl to 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 live her dream. I really appreciate that. So that's something else as well, because as you said, you're probably the youngest female, black female in this space. What's the most difficult experience you've had in terms of being a young black female trying to do this? Um, I guess it's just like people trying to trying to exploit me and take advantage of me just because I'm young and black. Like I like I've gotten like um opportunities where like they're good opportunities, but it's like it's just like I feel like a token sometimes. I feel like I'm only chosen because I'm black and they want like the diverse perspective. And it's just like it's just like for me, I want to be at a place where I'm viewed like equally with other people who do the same thing in my field. But it's just like, it's been really hard. And then just another thing, just like funding, like funding for ventures and stuff like that. It's really hard when you're you're female and you're black. They don't give funding to females that much. So it's for black females. They don't get funding like that for like ventures and like ideas and stuff like that. So for me, like I share a family with my own money, like, and I've learned how to do a lot of things just because I had no money to pay somebody else to do it, like designing the website and stuff like that definitely understand it's the same thing here because there's always that glass ceiling and (laughs) it's so interesting because people wonder like why why are you so aggressive and then use certain words to describe you and 
it's literally the same thing that a male is doing, like having tenacity and having that resilience. But then for a female, it's aggression and it's this. So I always find that dynamic so interesting. and It's so true. Okay, so before we just get into the final questions, I want to ask you, who is one person that you just look up to or want to just not be like but emulate Mm. that's a that's a good question i always get this question and it's really hard because like people usually say famous people but for me like Mm -hmm. it's not i don't for okay one thing i throughout my life i've never really wanted to look up to famous people like there's people i admire i'm like wow this is so amazing what they're doing but i've never wanted to emulate them if that makes any sense a lot of the people that i do look up to is a lot of people on like social media who aren't famous per se i mean they're famous in their field but like i'll say like somebody like um what's her instagram um, there's this lady on Instagram called the catch me if you can. And she's, she's from Uganda and, but she like grew up in like Detroit and she wants to become the first black woman to travel to all the countries. She's like on country. Like, w- let me see. Cause I was actually just looking at her Instagram. That's yeah. So she's on country 161 of 195. So it's just like, I look up to women like that who who are defying the odds and just like doing what they want to do they're living by their own rules and it's always better when it's like people that are accessible celebrities are cool but they're not as accessible as like as like normal everyday people and i like the social media is like creating a new generation of like kind of like influential people who are more accessible than the typical celebrity because the way you have to look at celebrityism it's like it's like one in a million of being famous and sometimes people's circumstances is just like who they know and it's just like pure luck but it's just like people who are on like social media like the woman that I said she built her platform from the ground up and she and she was able to like leverage her her following and stuff like that to become where she is but and she does I'm sure she doesn't have a team but celebrities they have a team of people to like curate their images and sometimes you don't really know you don't really know who's real when it comes to celebrities because a lot of them is just an image so for me i can't i don't really like look up to celebrities because i don't know them personally i don't know who they really are outside of the image no i totally agree i definitely won't say a celebrity either in terms of people that i admire and these things like it's people in business <laughs> And like in the marketing industry and maybe on social media, as you said, it's creating that whole new space of the real life people that you can meet and talk to type of celebrity. Well, I would say influence. And that's something that I really like as well, because it's shifting the narrative in terms of just being famous for how you look. Now it's what you do and what you contribute and how you impact. So I really Loved your response on that. Okay, so this is something that I always like to ask my guests on the podcast. What is your favorite book and um, why? What is my favorite book? Um, my favorite book right now is called Contagious. And so Contagious is just a book about the psychology of marketing and how things spread. 
And for me, like, I really, really liked it because it made me think about marketing differently. I'm like, right now I'm really big into marketing. That's the career that I want to go into after I graduate. So the book made me think about marketing in different ways. So like they had, um, so they had this story about a guy who started a restaurant in Philly and so he's, he had a cheesesteak idea. Like cheesesteaks are huge in Philly. Like Philly's known for that. So he went and kind of re- revolutionized the idea of the cheesesteak. So he made it $100. So when he made it $100, a, it blew up. A whole bunch of people were going to the restaurant just to see what, like, what the hype was about around this $100 um, cheesesteak. And the only difference was they used Kobe steak, I think which made it like more expensive. So like, just like from that concept, it's just pure psychology and people, people don't realize that. And like, it made me think, and I was just like, I wrote a, um, it made me really think in like, for example, like recently um, the rapper Nipsey Hussle, he, he was killed. And I wrote a article back in December about um, controversy and how does it sell. And I was just talking about how he sold his album for a hundred dollars, and people were just like, "Is he crazy? Like, who would want to buy an album for a hundred dollars? Like, who does he think he is?" And in the end, he sold over a thousand copies of that album. And it's just like things like that. Like, people don't think about the psychology of marketing, and I really like the contagious. Really makes you think about like how marketing and how how it makes it pulls people in essentially. Yeah, I actually now have to check out that book because <laughs> I love the psychology behind Martin. It's probably one of the most interesting features of the entire industry to me. But I just want to thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing your story. I truly admire what you've done with Affinity. And I can't wait to grow to even outside of the US and into other regions and markets because I think there's a lot of just teens and the millennial and Gen Z demographic that has a lot to say so definitely can't wait to see all of that flourish and i just want to thank you so much and guys please check out affinity make sure to look at the website check out the blog links and thank you so, thank you much, so much for reaching out i really had fun talking to you <laughs> okay good.